0: you've got a Bible in front of you, Um, I would ask that you turn to James chapter 5. We're going to concentrate on the first section, as I said. I'll maybe read just the first verse. Now listen, you rich people, weep. And wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Okay, as as with last week, tonight we come to a section of scripture that that deals with a sort of perhaps you know, rather thorny or controversial subject of our attitude to and the dangers of money. Money. And uh, as we start this evening, um, can I begin by just posing a basic and very simple question. Folks, where is your hope placed? As you think, of the rest of the year, as you think the coming ten years, as you think of your retirement maybe, as you think even further afield than that. Where is it you look for hope? What is it you're trusting in? Where is your hope placed? Okay. So, the beginning of James chapter five, it marks a change in the letter. Because, you know, we've mentioned and seen so often in the previous chapters that James has been writing to Christians in the first century church. We've, we've said that a lot. But here, things change, okay? And in the the first six, seven verses of chapter 5, James changes his focus of attention, and now he's, he's writing and he's speaking to unbelievers, isn't he? He's speaking to the unrighteous. Now, how do we know that? How can we, how can we be sure that James is, is writing to, to the unrighteous? Well, think about this. Think about the fact that this section here doesn't have that sort of customary greeting that James normally has. Remember that? That He says so often, he says, brothers, brothers. Well, that's gone. And look what's in its place. It's a much more sort of pointed, much more aggressive, you rich people. Then there's the sort of, the whole tone of the section as well. You know, previously we've seen lots of calls to repentance in the letter. You know, there's been that sort of warm, pastoral calling to these Christians to to come back to God. Well, that's not here. You know, this is much more sort of condemnatory, isn't it? In fact, I'll tell you what. It's similar in tone to Amos. You know, this section here is similar in tone to these sort of Old Testament prophets when they would speak of a a coming judgment upon pagan nations. So the, the, the section here is not specifically speaking to Christians. It's more of a focus on unbelievers and unrighteous, or the unrighteous. Now what does that mean for us tonight? Does that mean that if you're a Christian, you are off the hook, and that you don't have to listen, and you can catch up on your sleep? Well, that is not what that means at all. Because think about this. James is still sending this portion of Scripture into the context of the church. And yes, he is speaking to the unsaved, but he's also writing here to, to warn and to encourage believers in that church. To warn them and to encourage them. So I'll tell you what we've got here. We've got a really special portion of scripture. Because this is a portion of scripture that is relevant to... To every single spiritual situation in this room tonight this is relevant so let's examine it let's think about the first thing our first point is the hope of the wealthy the hope of the wealthy and what we're considering in this, uh, our first point here, is a sort of all-out attack that James makes on the madness, the insanity of placing our hope in material wealth. Okay, that's what James is speaking about. That is the the, the, the focus of his anger. The madness of placing our hope in material wealth. And, and to sort of draw our attention to this, what he does is he he shows us a couple of mistakes that are made by these unbelieving rich. So you're ready for these? There's a couple of mistakes he points out that the unbelieving rich make. One, he accuses the rich of living for selfish gain. Now, we see that in verse 5. Verse 5. He says there... You see, it says the rich live on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Luxury and self-indulgence. He's saying that, you know, the, the rich live for uh, treating themselves. The rich live for uh, buying themselves stuff. You know, for, for treats and presents and gifts and luxuries. But know what he does? Because James doesn't just say that we shouldn't live for selfish gain. He doesn't just say that. Look what he does. He goes on to show the result of doing that too. Do you see that at the end of verse 5? He says that by living in luxury and self-indulgence, he says people fatten themselves in the day of slaughter. Now picture it. He's saying that when people, you know, gather stuff, gather material wealth to themselves, what they're doing is they're, these rich, they're, they're like cattle. They're sort of unwittingly grazing and, and feeding and fattening themselves in advance of a day of killing, in advance of a, a day of slaughter. So the first mistake that the rich make is living for selfish gain. Okay, what's the second one? Well, we'll see the second mistake in verse 3. Because he also speaks out here against the hoarding of wealth. Okay, he speaks out against sort of, you know, needless storing up of riches or foolish stockpiling of money and folks I think that's one of the main points of, of, of the session here one of the main points you see how good your, your memory do you, do you pride yourself on your, on your memory I'll, I'll test you Um. Can you remember what James said last week, if you like, about life? Do you remember what James... Do you remember the fact that James paralleled your life to a mist? Remember that? Well, what he said there about life... Look, he now says about riches... He says that these riches, they're just like our lives. They're fleeting, they're impermanent, they're ephemeral. Look what he says. He says, your wealth, what happens to it? It rots. Your garments, what happens to them? They are eaten by moths. Your silver and gold corrode. What he's saying is placing our hope in these things, placing our trust in these things it is insanity it is absolute madness Okay. so what about us what about uh, you tonight now imagine if James was to come in through the doors here and imagine if James was to spend some time with you, proper time, and if he was to examine your attitude to money, what do you think James would say? Would James say to you the same sort of things that he's saying to these unbelieving rich people here? For example, do you live for these sorts of I do know, personal indulgences that he's talking about here. You know, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, are you spending too much money on yourself rather than on, let's say, relieving the suffering of the poor? Too much money in yourself rather than on supporting the work of the church. Is that you? Is that us? Or what about the other mistake? What was that? Hoarding wealth. Do we hoard wealth? Is that a problem? I mean, do you have a bank account somewhere? You know, a bank account that, that exists purely for your own sort of peace of mind? Purely for your own sort of security of heart. Do you have that? Now, I almost feel like I don't need to say this, but I will. James is not saying that there is anything inherently wrong with money. And James is not saying that there is anything inherently wrong with saving money. But he is saying that there's a problem if we are trusting in our money for our security. And he's saying there is a problem if we are trusting in our money for our own well-being. You see, if we distill this section down, do you know what we find? We find that what James is saying here Is a very, very simple message. I'll tell you why it's a very simple message. Because it is the same message that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 6. You see, these verses here, they are also saying, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Folks, do you see the essence, at least, of this first point that we're looking at tonight? Do you get it? What matters is not, I don't know, not the equity that we've got stored up in a property somewhere. What matters is not that figure at the the bottom of a, a monthly statement. What matters is your spiritual bank balance. What matters is that you place your hope for the future in the person and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, our first point, the hope of the wealthy, the hope of the wealthy. Now, uh, one of the most, I think, incredible stories of the last news stories of the last few years, maybe uh, of the last decade is surely the account of uh, Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff, and um, Ponzi scheme that he had in the United States, and it's an absolutely in- incredible story, isn't it? You know, that this guy, Bernie Madoff, was able to con, <coughs> excuse me, so many people over such a long time for decades and to the tune of, I don't know, what was it? I don't know, 500 billion dollars or some such figure. Bernie Madoff. And it's a remarkable story, but it's also an example of James's second emphasis in this short portion of scripture. And our second point, if you like, is the dishonesty of the wealthy. We've seen the hope of the wealthy, now the dishonesty of the wealthy. And this emphasis or accusation that James levels at the rich, it really sort of it comes from or leads on from that first point. Do you follow the, the logic? He says that the rich people, the unrighteous rich, they place their hope in wealth, and because they, they hope in their wealth, they are willing to engage in sort of dishonest dealings in order to acquire more wealth. And note, if you will, that this accusation is a direct and a specific accusation that James makes makes here. Do you see it in verse 4? If your Bibles are open, just glance at verse 4. So direct and specific. Because he says in verse 4, he says, Look! Look! The wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you, it's really direct isn't it, you know James isn't you know he's not beating around the bush in any way there's no messing about, Luke is direct but it's specific too because we read that and we know exactly exactly what James is accusing these unrighteous rich of, he's he's accusing them of keeping back money that is due to labourers. He's accusing them of fraud and he's accusing them of corruption. Okay. Please think again about Bernie Madoff. And think about what happened there. Here's this guy, Madoff, who is disgustingly dishonest. And what happens there? Well, it affects thousands and thousands of people, doesn't it? You know, he's dishonest and people have lost all their pension savings and eh, people have lost their livelihoods. In some cases, people have even taken their own lives as a result. Well, do you know what? We see the same thing here, don't we? Because verse 6 shows us the severity of the dishonesty. It says, you have condemned and you have murdered innocent men who were opposing you, condemned and murdered innocent men what on earth is going on there well in the first century world in this part of the world certainly much of the land was owned by just a few people a few sort of rich wealthy landowners and because of that what the farmers had to do was hire themselves out to these rich landowners and that was a really uncertain um, an uncertain existence you know it was a sort of day by day existence a sort of hand to mouth thing and almost certainly we are seeing the repercussions of that in verse 6 James is saying that because these rich people have kept back the wages, some of these laborers and farmers haven't been able to feed themselves. He's saying because of the dishonesty of the wealthy, some of the farmers have starved and have died. And so we see that this is not a a sort of side issue This is a a major issue that we're dealing with here, this dishonesty. And because of that, I want us to apply it in two ways. So please, folks, follow these two applications of this dishonesty that we see here. Two applications of it. One. We, the people of God... We must be above reproach in all of our financial dealings. We must be above reproach in all of our financial dealings. You see, this example of the rich that that James is given here, it is a warning. Remember I said that at the beginning? It is a warning. And it is a warning to believers, to you and to me, not to follow suit, not to sort of involve ourselves in such corruption. And that means that you and I have to really seek and value integrity. And in every area of finance. Every area of finance. And that means even the areas that other people around are quite willing to, I don't know, fiddle the boots a little bit. You know, this sort of thing I'm talking about. You know, the the slightly exaggerated expenses claim that we hand in, Or the white lie or the slight fib that we put down in a tax return for. Folks, we can't do that. We are the people of God. Even if society seems it, deems it acceptable, even if everyone around us sees it acceptable, the Christian must not stray in any way into financial misconduct. So we're to be above reproach. But I said there was two applications. This is the second one. And this is reason, I think, For us to be really encouraged tonight. Really encouraged. Because this letter. Is written to these Jewish Christians. And it's written to people who were facing oppression. People who were facing oppression from rich landowners. And look what he says to these people. James says essentially God knows what is going on. Look what he says. He says, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. He says that the unpaid wages are crying out to God. So I ask you tonight, are things pretty tough at work? You know, have you got... a uh, an employer who's nasty. You now, have you got a, a, a boss who is ruthless, who is perhaps merciless, a boss who is even perhaps fraudulent? Well, if that's the case, don't despair. Because what we see here tonight is that God knows exactly the situation you're in. He knows exactly your work situation. But not only that, he also promises to meet out justice for the oppressed. What encouragement that is. Point to the dishonesty of the wealthy. Okay, folks. Um, if you've been following the news this week, then you'll be aware of The story that broke about the the US bank, uh, JP Morgan I think it was maybe Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening the story broke so JP Morgan had uh, engaged in uh, what did they call it, serious uncontrolled and flawed trading and as a result uh, JP Morgan received a fine from the regulators and it's just a mind blowing fine Because the figure, I don't know if you saw it or not, the figure is staggering. This company received a fine of 920 million dollars. So, it is a classic case of an incorrect attitude to money leading to very, very serious consequences indeed. And as we close, and as we conclude this evening, that's what I want us to see here from James 5 because you know we've talked about the hope of the wealthy we've talked about the dishonesty of the wealthy let's finish with the future that's promised here to the wealthy the future of the wealthy and I tell you this for nothing this is not easy James says here is not easy there are some really really tough truths in this section of scripture but I would say to you if you have not professed faith in Jesus Christ yet then I would say to you especially stick with this last point these last couple of minutes stick with what James says here Let's think about the future of the wealthy. Right, look with me to what kicks off the section. Just have a look at at verse 1. Look what James says in verse 1. Look look what he promises. He says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Weep and wail because of the the, the misery. Now, what, what is he talking about? What is James talking about? What is this misery that he's promising here? <clears throat> well, it is certainly not misery that the unrighteous rich are going to face on earth, is it? You know, and I know, that the unrighteous rich flourish on earth, do they not? The wicked prosper. So it's not about misery on earth. So what is this misery that James is promising here? Well, think about Think about the section as a whole. Think about what, what James says time and time again here. Look at this. He says, he speaks of misery. Misery that is coming. It's a future misery. Okay. Then what else does he say? He says, the rich are told to weep. They are told to, to, to wail. This is Old Testament prophetic language of, of, of judgment. Wail! For the day of the Lord is near, says Isaiah. Then there's this sort of in the last days reference. And then there's this mentioning as well of the day of of slaughter. You put all those things together, what have you got? You put all those things together and it's clear that this misery... For the unrepentant wealthy, it is a misery that is coming on the day of judgment. And what does he say will happen to these people on that day? He promises a scene of hell. He promises hell he promises that the corroding wealth will speak out against the rich. That this money that they have hoarded, that money will fan the flames of Gehenna. He promises that the cries of the harvesters will, will come into their own. He promises that God will judge the rich for their dishonesty and for their wickedness. Tell you this, this language is terrifying, isn't it? This language is the stuff of nightmares. Look what he says The corroding gold and silver will eat your flesh like fire. And look at the Did you see it, the the unusual tense that he's using? it, It reads a bit strangely, doesn't it? All these prophecies of judgment, every single one, is in the perfect tense. Look at it. Your wealth has rotted. Moths have already eaten your clothes. Why why is that? Why is it all in the, the, the perfect tense? Well, folks, such is the certainty of judgment upon the wicked that it can be spoken of as if it has already happened. It is certain, it is inevitable, The words of Revelation 18 will come true. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn. So I leave you with this. Are you a Christian tonight who's been too focused on the material things of this world? Are you perhaps even a Christian who has been using your money inappropriately? Is that you? If it is, I would challenge you tonight to lift up your eyes. You know, lift them up. Ask God to forgive you for your materialism and lift up your eyes. Lift them from that sort of fleeting, temporal, decaying mess that is earthly wealth and lift them up to the skies, lift them up to the clouds from where our Savior will come again and let that certain hope affect how you use your money. Friends, Praise God for the true wealth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.